this shit going? Just wanted to see if it worked. Hold on. Nope, that one's not doing anything. Does this do anything? Fireworks? Nope. Ooh, that one's confetti. What was the fireworks one? Uh, all right, let's jump in. We have episode 70 that we are doing right now. Thank you so much for tuning in to our 70th episode. Uh, we're going to be talking about breeding. We haven't done like a breeding episode in a while, but besides breeding, we're going to be talking about giving your females a break and kind of just going into that whole discussion about it. But um, yeah, before we jump into that, Patreon members. Thank you so much. Hope all of you had a thanks, uh, great Thanksgiving as well as the the rest of our listeners. Hope you guys all had a great Thanksgiving. Um, and uh, we weren't able to do two weeks in a row a uh, Zoom call. So we'll, we'll be catching up uh, actually on the release of this episode. Um, and so if you guys want to go ahead and join our, our uh, Patreon, it's going to be that link that's down below. Patreon.com forward slash the retick lounge. And uh, yeah, I think that... I am done talking. Nathan, what's going on, dude? Not much. I, I think in terms of a breeding episode, this is going to be a fun one that just isn't talked about. I, I did a little bit of research just trying to find other, you know, bits of content on YouTube about how to stop cycling an animal. And I just really wasn't coming across much. So I think this will be a, a cool topic to just kind of bring up through the community. Is that because you're female right now cycling and you don't want her to? No, no. Or I just, just kind of like going in the rabbit hole of just... With, within the last month, I started feeding for, for breeding with my animals, and I'm really only trying to breed one this year. So, yeah, I haven't really started this process, or I guess I just started this process of not cycling the female that I'm not cycling this year. Yeah, what... I guess in your thoughts, like off the top of your head, and I'll add if there's anything that you don't bring in, uh, I have to think about it for a second, but like, why would you want to not cycle a female that is primed and like good to breed? Well, I mean, just first thought for me is just, it's, it's a lot of energy that gets put into breeding. So if you do choose to cycle that animal, and it does successfully breed and cycle, give you eggs and everything. That's a lot of energy that that animal puts out. And if you keep putting that animal through that year after year, I believe that that would shorten the animal's life. Yeah. Um, and I know this is already off the topic of retics, but it doesn't matter. Nathan has already validated for like this for me before. So, But green tree pythons. They have a much shorter, as far as me talking about green tree pythons, but what I have learned recently about green tree pythons is they have a much shorter lifespan than other snakes that we would think about, right? Like there was a ball python that laid eggs at like 169 years old. I don't, I don't know the exact number. Obviously, it's not 100, but ball pythons can live 30 plus years. Retics, if kept well, which is few far between, can live 25, 20 plus years. Um, I'm sure there's individuals that have lived past 30. 
Yeah, but I, I, it's it's Green Tree Pythons. It's kind of this like I keep hearing in different podcasts that I'm listening to right now um, that you know, 15 years um, or so, and and I'm wondering how much of that has to do with with breeding because breeding takes a massive toll on these these animals, and and um, I know that a lot of people will give their females one, two, three years off to like lengthen their length of time that they're alive um i'm not good with words today but that's to increase their lifespan yeah there you go that's see that that sounded much better that was sexy um i'm just helping the psychologist here don't worry right so um so yeah i think that that might have a big thing to do with them but definitely with with retics and whether you're just getting into retics or you've been breeding for years the first place you want to visit is stewart design more and more breeders keep showing up at shows on Morph Market and are all over social media. Sometimes it may feel possible to get anyone's attention. Stewart Designs helps small businesses like yours do big things through brand clarity, helping entrepreneurs to start and scale businesses that are easy to know and love. Their work can help any company or industry, but they've done a ton of work for ours. Stewart Design created the brands for US Arc, Canova, Reach Out Reptiles, Coiled, and dozens of other well-known reptile breeders. Like many of us, the owner of Stewart Design, Blake, is a keeper and breeder who fell in love with retics through first working with Garrett Hartle. Although Stewart Design does a lot of corporate work, Blake has a passion for working with people in the reptile industry. Stewart Design can help if you're just getting started or you're ready to take things to the next level, you're struggling to stand out and build your presence online or at shows, You don't want to be like the other guys or get lost in the crowd, and you want to make your own way doing what you love. And also, you have big ideas and know your business is special, but you need help sharing it with the reptile community. If something here resonates with you, reach out to Blake and have a conversation. To learn more or get started, visit stuartdesignbrands.com or call them at 855-SD-LOGOS. Clear brands own markets. Stuart Design helps create them. If you are in the market for an enclosure for your reticulated python or any other one of your reptiles, Focus Cubed Habitats is your one-stop shop for not only the best-looking cages on the market, but also provide amazing features and add-ons to your cages. We partnered with Focus Cubed Habitats because they continue to innovate and change the way we house our animals unlike any other caging company out there. Their cages are designed intelligently and provide the most stylish and secure housing for your animal's comfort and well-being. Visit focuscubedhabitats.com for your animal's caging needs. Again, visit focuscubedhabitats.com for some amazing and stylish enclosures. We also want to thank VivTech Products for being an affiliate sponsor of the Retic Lounge. Stop by VivTech Products for the best UV spectrum lighting on the market that will enhance and improve your snake's overall well-being and health. Visit VivTechProducts.com and use the code RETICLOUNGE23 today for 15% off. Again, visit VivTechProducts.com and use our affiliate code RETICLOUNGE23 today for 15% off. Looking for the perfect accessories for your hatchlings or juvenile retics? Look no further than Heli Guy Serpents. Our sponsor, Chris Sexton, is coming in hot with an amazing 3D printer 
creating top-notch perches and other caging accessories for your beloved pets. Enrich your retics environment with their high-quality products. Use our promo code TRL10 for a 10% discount on your purchase. Visit them today at heliguyserpents.com and start giving your pets the best. Heliguy Serpents, the premier source for 3D printed caging accessories. Again, that's www.heliguyserpents.com and use our promo code TRL10 for 10% off all of your 3D printed accessories today. Uh, I almost wonder why we don't have a lot of the wild cots that we have in the country that we brought in anymore. And I'm wondering if anything of that, that has to do with like overbreeding or, you know, trying too many times. And, um, okay. So you mentioned, yeah. uh, you, you just asked why would I consider not breeding? Yeah. Like, any other reasons? So like, so that, that to me was like for the benefit of their health, letting the benefit them of their health. And then like, does does that animal need to be bred? Do you need to be producing animals through that animal? Or can you just have that animal in your collection? Right, right. Um, yeah, and I, I also think that, like, I don't know, like the market right now, not a lot of people are Well, that, that's kind of part of it, obviously. Right, right. But... Like, should I breed a female this year, even though she's going through the motions? And, and like, do, do I need to make more phantoms do i need to make more tigers do i need to make more things that a lot of people are already making and so those are also other good reasons that you would want to give your female a rest but i think first and foremost like you mentioned was was uh uh their health right yeah that's the biggest thing for me it's like i want to see my animals i've said this so many times throughout the the history of this podcast but say just... it for the people in the back <laughs> Yeah, I, I just want to see my animals reach that 20-year mark. Like, that would be one of my biggest accomplishments for sure. Like, the the founding animals that I know are going nowhere, like, yeah, yeah. I, I need to see those animals through a good, long, healthy life. Yeah. You want to know what I think contributes to another long, healthy life when we're talking about breeding? Is prolonging that time that it takes for them to have their first clutch. Yeah, like not kind pushing of, it right at the not, four year mark. Yeah, not pushing it at the four year mark, but like not even the like animal doing I'm trying food. to breed this year. Let's see, is either six or seven, right? And she hasn't had a clutch. No. Oh, that's beautiful. You're, I think you're gonna. So let me kind of. I haven't tried to push her super super hard for breeding. Like she's she's my biggest animal, and you know it, it, it's gonna take. A lot of calories for her to to go but you know yeah. I'm, I'm ready for her this year it's gonna be fun yeah so i i have a f1 slayer who just laid her third clutch for me and she is 13 years old um now i i feel in most breeder like breeding standpoints a 13 year old female typically has probably had like five or more clutches at that point um, in, in a breeder's hands. And, uh, I talked to the mystic reptiles, um, Chris over in Florida. Um, I talked to him about how he bred and cycled his females and he said he never did food cycling and he would just allow them to breed whenever they went off of food and 
they went through the motions that he knew and she decided to breed her first time at seven. And so when I got her, I was thinking in my mind, I was like, she's never been pushed hard with food, which means that, you know, there, there's some people that say, and I don't know if there's research behind this, but when you, you feed a lot of big meals and you push them and you, you force feed, right? Or not force feed, you, you <laughs> power feed. Yeah. Um, not, you, not even. Yeah. I mean, you're just increasing the amount of calories they're taking in within a shorter period of time. Yeah. And I've heard that it can increase organ size. And that could become problematic when you when you feed them a lot of food really young. It can you know their their heart or their their stomach or lungs might grow too big too quick. Um, and uh, so I was like, okay, that's really cool. Um, and then he had, she had her second clutch three years after. Um, both of them perfect clutches, and so like he didn't try to cycle her, didn't try to feed her heavy to cycle her. She just naturally gave him a clutch three years later. Um, and then I got her and when she's now 13 years old, so again, three, did you hear my cat? I saw your face. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm a letter in here in a second. No, that's fine. Um, but yeah, so she had her third clutch on year third. Shut up, Stella. Um, she had a third clutch on year 13. So she's laying a clutch every three years and she, she's a extremely healthy, not obese. She has so much vigor. She's strong as hell. Um, she hates me some days. She loves me others, but yeah. So I think that there's something like important as well when it comes to like the time of like, just like, maybe it's actually a good thing if we don't try to. And I, I've I've done this right. Like I did it with my Kaiwadi. I, I I food cycle for the most part. I'll do some temperature dropping, but I food cycle. Um, yeah. Well, let let's let's talk about that kind of in steps here. So let let's start with food cycling. So if if we're trying not to cycle our females, what are we gonna do in terms of food? Dude. My my. My wild caught Kalatoa laid four clutches in a row. Her first clutch was not with me. It was a shit clutch. None of the babies survived. Second clutch was with me. Pretty sure it was a partho clutch. I only have one baby that survived and I have it and it's a not a breedable female. Um and then her third clutch I paired with the wild caught and that was a good clutch. So that was four total clutches in a row that she had. And I tried year after her, year after year, year after year after year. And I tried giving her the last year off. Now I had some mentors tell me if you force her to have a year off, she's going to retain those follicles and likely won't be a good breeder after this. And she'll, she'll get egg bound the next year. And, and I just asked that per, you know, what, what evidence do you have for that? Um, you know, and, Oh, experience. Anytime I, 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 uh, by the way, I'm saying this in like an asshole voice because it was the person that I bought the wild cop from. So connect the dots. Um, and, uh, they, they were like, yeah, no, if they want to breed, you breed them. Cause if you don't, they'll end up dying their next clutch. And I was like, yeah, that sounds like a really like breeder heavy mentality. So, um, last year when she had her partho clutch, I tried to not breed her by reducing her calories and she still bred. So this year I finally got her to skip a year. Do you want to know what it took? This is a nine and a half, 10 foot 
13-year-old Kalatoa um, who I got obese and had to like slim down on a diet to get her like leaner. Um, and she hated me during that stage cause she was always like just fed heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so imagine like me doing that and she hated me, but this year, uh, I was feeding her only one jumbo rat, nine and a half, 10 foot retic, probably 10 foot to be honest, 10 foot retic. One jumbo rat, not even leaving a lump in her, once a month for like three months. Yeah. That's what it took to get this stubborn female to not cycle. Yeah. That's that's what I've been doing with my purple albino. But, you know, my second year I was trying to breed her but wasn't successful. The male wasn't ready. And she, she went through the motions. So, like... I've had experience with that, but I mean, this, this year I'm hoping I can keep her from even developing those follicles and going off food. So we'll see how that goes. But I mean, I've had her go a year between clutches and still lay a decent clutch. I had a, um, my Kayuati this year, I was trying to breed her to my ocelot. Um, and so I've, I've heard people talk about incompatibility. I don't know how true that is or not, because I feel like in the wild, like the the penguin thing, like it's just not the right rock. Right, exactly. Right, and so there's there's some people. There are some people in the school of thought that a male and female could not be compatible, and they won't breed for whatever reason. There are other people that are like, no, that's like totally against nature. Like there's, I mean, it's survival, and in the wild, if a female that's wanting to breed comes across a male the female's not going to be like we're not compatible right so i don't know i don't know which way that leans but there's a lot of evidence that could show that you know with other species of animals that it could be a potential yeah right but but i mean those are like mammals that we can think about right yeah for the most part birds a little a little higher well yeah, and I guess, you know, evolutionary-wise, reptiles come from birds. So um, that's right, right? Like, I feel like dinosaurs evolved to, to birds or birds to dinosaurs and then reptiles. And I don't I don't know. I'm, I'm not caught up with my kid science. I almost um, just made a really shitty comment. I'm glad I held my tongue. I'll go. tell you after. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll leave the ball rolling for Patreon if they want to listen to that comment off, off screen, too. But... Um, but yeah, so, um, but anyways, I put my ocelot in with my female Kaliwadi who I, I, I cycled and she went off of food for two months and this male ocelot did nothing. Um, which is odd because he was a proven breeder at 12 months old. Mm-hmm. Like he was 12 months old. He was locking. He became a father. This is a, a, a very young grown man at this stage. Right. <laughs> and uh, he decided to like not do anything. And I think she just was wanting to take the year off herself, but I saw her blow up. I saw her go through the motions. I never saw a lock. I saw them only cuddling once and I food cycled her. So she was kind of a little chunky. Um, and because, you know, I food cycle her for about like a month and a half, um, you know, they never locked. And so I, I got to witness for the first time, like reabsorption. I don't, and again, 
Some yeah. people mm-hmm. in the retic world believe that oh, retics don't reabsorb their follicles; they grow and then they go back down. Um, some people say reabsorption, but I think we can all agree uh, well, on the term. That... Wouldn't you feel them year round then? Like, would that mean they have a predetermined amount of follicles that they can produce? Is from? that true? I don't know because I've had different clutch sizes from the same female. Um, yeah, but do all the follicles swell? Yeah. Right. Okay. Like, I, I don't know. It's really weird. I don't know. Eno- I don't know enough about snake anatomy. So. Me either. We need to get a vet on Dr. Coke. What's up? Um, <laughs> Come back. We have more right, questions. We have more questions. Um, but I, so in my mind, what I'm thinking about like this reabsorption stage is that they go through the motions and the follicles swell. And then eventually they just go back to their smaller state. They never shut off. Yeah. And so I think they just go down. So maybe if females reabsorb, is that next one going to be shitty because they already blew up and now they're just like sitting there? Or is that how snake anatomy works? I don't know. Um, it sits for a whole year during digestion and everything like that. Like, I don't, I just don't know. I don't know. Like, either. I've had a snake go off food, show all the signs of follicle growth, and, and then, you know, that male not breed. And yeah. From what I observed, I, I called it absorption. Right. And, I, and that's what I'm going with. And I've heard other people go with. And uh, by the way, this is a great time for us to remind our listeners. We haven't done this in a while. We're not experts. <laughs> we're not. This is, we're, far we're, too long. We, yeah. <laughs> we've been it's, playing this off. Guys, still not experts. Still not experts. Just because you have a podcast for a year. You're not an expert. No. Um, but uh yeah, so we're not experts. We try to grow with you guys. There, there is someone, and I, I could pull up their their. Actually, I'm not going to do that. But there's someone on YouTube uh, that comments on our videos. These super long, well detailed, thought out comments mm-hmm. that I love. Maybe if he's listening, he'll he'll tell us the the scoop, the one one on on what's happening with follicular swelling and or not, but. Anyways, I, he, my, he's going to earn himself an episode one of is, these days. He is. Um, but my female, so she went through the motion. She got thick on the lower half, but she, I guess she decided to take the year off. She's like, nope. Um, I guess she wasn't giving off enough pheromones for the male to want to court and lock with her. I don't know. My slot might be broken because he, he's not locking with any of my females this year. Um, so... He's but, taking the year off. He's, he's right. Done. He's taking the year off. Um, ooh, maybe we'll we'll touch on that later. Yeah, we can. I feel like that'll be a quick one we can yeah, touch on. Let's but that one. in in terms of you know just calorie intake, you know I'm I'm just trying to feed almost as normal as I would throughout the year before I start doing my heavier increased you know meal sizes and frequency with the animals for breeding. So I'm I'm keeping it more like that, and then even you know offering smaller prey items to yeah. the purple this year, just in between. Yeah. Um, I, I guess like w- when it comes to like letting your retics, your females, like have a vacation and like kind of not breed. Um, I tend to think that like. I don't know. I I truly think that like one of the biggest reasons we don't see older animals out there is because they're overbred um 
There's a variety of factors. But well, obesity too, but but obesity I mean, and but then why do, just why, changing why hands. And... Why does obesity happen? It happens because we're we're power feeding to get them to breed, and they're not in big enclosures. They're stuffed in eight foot enclosures, and it's a sixteen foot animal. Yeah. So it's hand in hand. Like you know, we 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 want them to breed and be prolific in breeding and and you know reproduce clutches and then you know if they they decide not to breed themselves they get the year off but like yeah and i mean i know that's an overgeneralization there's plenty of great breeders out there that care about letting their female cycle but um or or cycle off for a year but what what would you say is like your ideal like ratio to geez my lights are going to Give me a seizure. Seizure warning. I think they were doing that a little bit last episode, too. They were. Hold on. All right. We'll see if that works. Yeah, that that certainly seemed to help. You you ever take out the the Nintendo 64 cartridges and blow on them? I feel like that was the equivalent. Or like a 1980s TV or 90s where you just smack it upside down. The best part (laughs) was the entire time you were abusing the thing. Like, it was off. And then after you stopped hitting it, it turned on. (laughs) We'll see if that helps. So far, so good. So far, so good. Um, uh, where were we? We were talking. So, what do you think is the right ratio for years? Oh, yeah, on, yeah, years yeah. Off? That's a that's a great uh, point to bring up. In my mind, I would like to do two on, one off. So technically, I could run the purple again this year, seeing that she already had a year off the year before. But you know, I I have some other stuff that I want to do, and I don't need to breed her like i'm not trying to run a business that's you know solely retics right now that's dependent on these animals for you to receive income right i I know how much time and energy it goes into one clutch and you know i that's what i'd like to stick to this year i might do two clutches next year but we'll see where everything's at where i'm at and go from there yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, to be honest, like my Kaiwati taking the year off herself was a blessing in disguise because she, she would have probably popped a about blessing 30, in disguise, a, a blessing in disguise. Did I, did I say a blessing? It's, it's just me. Sorry. Just, you know, that's okay. I thought I stumbled it, my it's, words. It's I was like, I swear I've only had one glass of wine. Something from another podcast. Sorry. Oh, geez. Yeah. Um, but Blessing in disguise because she would have probably laid her second year, probably 30 eggs. Um, and in this yeah. market, like who's going to buy Kaiwati head ocelots right now at the price that they would go for? Can I ask you a personal question? About snakes? About your garage? Yeah. How many uh, hatchling rack spaces do you have right now? Available? Open. Yeah. Um, after, after this week, I'm going to have, hold on a lot or a little to start a lot. Okay, good. I would say I'd have half my rack, a little bit more than half my rack available. So that, that would be like 30, I probably have 35 spaces open. Okay. So that sustains them for, you know nine months or so a, a year it. my mine are the long fb10 so for yeah. super dwarf and dwarf stuff it's about a year okay 
But so, I, I do need to get a, uh, I do need to get a forty tub. Yeah, like, an FB forty or something. Yeah, for for just animals that take longer to sell or grow ups or things like that. That you know, obviously, we're we're the economy sucks right now, so I still have animals that you know I didn't intend to have this long, but I'm okay with having them. Yeah, it's so it's just those kind of considerations, like right. You know, I. I I, I definitely could push her to breed, but I, I don't need to. Oh, you're asking me for your... <laughs> you asking me for consignment? No. Question. Oh, no, oh, okay. no. I thought you were asking me for that. No. <laughs> okay. Because uh, I was I was going to have to politely say, no, I got, I got my busiest season this year because a lot of what I want to breed this year is like personal passion projects. Um, and um, And then I'm getting rid of like... 99% of my morph stuff, which this is the first time that I've said that publicly. Um, or at least on here. So, Are you sure? I think you may have said it during the Thanksgiving episode. Maybe. Oh, yeah. We talked about it last week. Okay. Um, but back to females having vacations. Did you like the thumbnail? I thought it was fine. Yeah, yeah it was cute. It's funny. Yeah, I was yeah. I was confused. I, I I thought that was a trick question. Yeah, yeah I like it. Cute. Yeah, the snake and sunglasses. I I like it. Yeah, but um. Anyways, I was saying that that it goes back to longevity and these animals not being around. Oh, we were talking about market. I don't know where we are. Well, I I was you know I I kind of threw you off with that rat question. I was mostly saying you know uh, those are things I think about like you know it if the economy is like it is right now next year, you know, I have to consider keeping these animals for the better part of a year before everything moves out. So, you know, having, you know, considerate accommodations for all the animals here is, you know, a pretty big priority and not just stuffing them in small containers. I lied. I have 42 empty hatchlings upstairs that I typically do for my consignment stuff where I quarantine up there, but because I'm not taking any consignments at all this season, I'm going to be bringing it into the garage. Okay. Yeah, upstairs I have 42 tubs. Yeah, I, I was mostly thinking you were running out of hatch, hatchling room space, so it was nice to not have that big clutch that you were avoiding. Well, I'm just saying, like, I that's the available room I have. Do I want to fill them all up? Hell no. Um Yeah. So I have 35 in my my ARS 10 rack, um, and then I have 42 upstairs. Okay. But those 42 upstairs, those are like those are for like high percentage or pure superdorf. Like they're they're the six core tubs. Oh, those um, are tiny. Yeah, I mean, I I only like to keep animals in there for for you know pure superdorf stuff for like six months max. Yeah. Um. But that's that's going to end up being the, the Neo rack for the green tree pythons if I'm ever lucky enough to, to breed them. That that would be a lucky endeavor. So I, I feel like we're pretty good on the, the feeding aspect of it. Uh, I feel like the, the second and probably the other biggest one uh, to consider would be just temperature. Oh, like how to get them to not cycle? Yeah. Yeah, I mean definitely you you want to try your best to not let the the temperatures drop. lower 
drop, right? Like I keep ambient and I am intentionally right now during the cooler months, um, I either have my heater on on the mini split very low or I have it off and I'm letting my garage dip down to 78, 77 degrees. Um, and that's again with no hot spots on any of my enclosures. So they're, they're getting that cold. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's one way to definitely do it now. In my opinion though, I still think that they feel it outside. I don't, I don't know why like that. If you ask uh, me to explain I, that, why I, I would I can't say it's a, you. I, I think one good theory is a barometric pressure. Yeah, but that's like a storm thing, right? That's like they can definitely tell during the rainy season and stuff when the barometric pressure fluctuates and everything. But like, um, I, you know, my snakes are against like the walls and stuff. And some of my walls are exterior walls. And although the ambient temperature in my place might be warm, I feel like the walls are still a little cooler. Um, I, I don't know why. I still feel like they can tell when it's different outside. It's a stomach thing. I have no rational explanation don't ask me questions this is all i know it's possible i think i experience a temperature drop no matter how hard i try um with just where i'm at and how cold it gets uh and then also the space i'm living in it's an it's a little bit of an older space i think it was built in like the 60s or 70s but I mean, like, I have to insulate my windows in you're, here. You're 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 looking up at the ceiling. No, I'm I'm looking at the I'm looking established. No, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the thin windows next oh. to me, <laughs> seeing what era I think they're from. Right. Um. You know how you can tell is you different rock sizes. No, you know how you can it. tell. You could go on Zillow, and I'm just too lazy right now. Oh, okay. That, that's that's the smart way too. I was just saying you could take a different size pebbles and see how small it takes to to break it. Um, but yeah, no, I mean I. That's one way, and and I feel like it's a little bit more manageable with a, a gradient setup like you have. Uh oh yeah, just running on heat tape and everything, heat tape and uh, heat panels or panels. Yeah, I feel like yeah. it's a little bit more controllable that way. Yeah, definitely. I can control the environment. The other thing I do in the, the winter, I mean, yeah, I am trying to keep one of my main females from breeding this year, but I am trying to cycle the other is I'll just keep the ambient heat like a, I usually keep it about 72 in here. So not quite 77 like you do, but, you know, not letting it drop to the, the temperature 60s. it could get if it was just insulated windows in here. Yeah, like when I was trying to cycle when I had them on gradient, I would allow like my house to get to 69, but I'd still have their hotspot on. Hey. Hey. <laughs> that was last episode. Exactly. Right? That's what that's what we're referencing. So I'd let my house get to 69 and um <laughs> you're stupid. <laughs> Always. Um and but like if, if I still had a gradient setup um, and I did not want them to cycle or I wasn't trying to breed any, I would bring an additional heat source, like an oil-filled radiant heater, and I would just keep that room temperature at 76. That That's the best way for sure. Yeah. yeah I just use a little desk heater. Yeah. Because my room is tiny. Yeah. But I, I don't know, man. Like I feel like it's it's something that we should be considering more, like not cycling females just because we can. 
like I, I feel like I see a lot of new breeders right now, like a lot of new people that are very excited, rightfully so. And I feel bad for a lot of new breeders. Like I have a buddy of mine, I'm not going to mention his name, but um, he's a great dude. He's gotten some animals from me and he tried breeding last year. Man, had he had hit on this last year, it would have been great for him, I think. But he's trying to repeat it this year, and he has a female that's gravid. And what it's going to end up resulting in is 62.5% um, platinum snows. Platinum golden child snows, I think, actually. 62.5% superdwarf snows. And he's a first-time breeder um, in this market and economy. That, that Those are animals that are running 4,500 minimum for a visual snow. And so um, we've talked. Well, that's kind of what I'm shooting for this year. But, but this year breeding means that they're hatching. There's it, some more stuff behind it. But, but I, I feel like it's one of those things where like, you know, for new people that are coming up and I don't, you're not new. Like your name is out there. That's like, that's like me trying to, that's you know, like, and, damn Lucas. No, I'm just saying like, it's, it's a, it's it, a little different for, you know, I'm not going to tell Eric Lee to not breed this year because the economy is bad. Like Eric, everybody knows Eric Lee's name. They're going to buy his animals. You haven't had a hard time selling your clutch. You sold 75% of your clutch in the first four months. That's, that's phenomenal in this economy. I don't know if you're aware of that. So kudos to you. You did a great <laughs> job getting rid of some of those animals. Um, but for someone that doesn't have like the name established and you're, you're producing like high end animals or just anybody who's new, like maybe consider like letting your female develop a little bit more and, um, it's a bad time to be breeding retics. <laughs> yeah. It's not great. I mean, if you're, like, if, if, it, if your purpose it'll, is there'll to make be, money. there'll be another time where people are making money with retakes again like it's not that's not the issue like ultimately like there if you're patient enough and have those iron hands if right. you truly want to make some money with retakes one day i'm sure you can achieve that goal but yeah surgeon like, hands they don't move look at them they're frozen that's actually pretty good from what <laughs> i could tell but i don't know you're um, just a tiny little box right um, see, for me, I felt like they were doing this and I was trying to keep them still. Um, but, um, and, and, and I'm not saying like, if you're new, don't breed, but just realize that the market kind of sucks right now. It's going to turn around at some point, but it sucks right now. Well, um, and when we've always talked about breeding, like try to push the industry forward a little bit with what you're pairing up to don't right. just produce to produce. Yeah. And like my buddy, like that's a, that's a great clutch. Like, 62.5% cow toe, I think 6.25%. I would love to know the exact, like, you know, they're, specifics, male, female, that whole thing. Oh, me too. But they're, they're both Eric Lee produced animals Okay, from the parents. So they're, it's legit. It's good. No, no, um, no. Yeah, I'm just curious how the percentages work out, like what's being paired to what, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, I could spend the time go through my phone and tell you, but I'm not. But, um, but I mean, and, and just, I don't know, like... The fact that after talking to Chris from Mystic Reptiles when I bought the Slayer was kind of like, I think I'm going to try and do that with my holdback animals that I have. Um, is I'm going to try to just let them try and cycle on their own. Not not like do the, the food cycling, not do 
like I'll still do my temperature stuff and everything, but like I'm not going to try to say, okay, you're four. I'm going to start to feed you heavy so that you can breed. I'm just going to wait until they show the signs to, to do it. Yeah. I'm sure you're still going to be offering meals though through that period that, you know, are leaving decent lumps and, you know, are, are going to, you know, at a mature age, when that animal is ready, it will start cycling and showing, you know, follicle I, I, development. Yeah. All of my meals for all of my snakes, no matter the age, leave a lump. Even my green tree pythons. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, I feed bigger meals than most people do. Uh, and I do that for many reasons. Um, but... I, I also fluctuate. I'll feed smaller meals and bigger meals, but um, what what most people would be afraid to free, feed a retic, I'm like, that's not a problem. Like it's easy. Um, and I don't power feed by any means. I'm not feeding them a massive three times their girth meal every two weeks. Like no, if they have a really big meal, they're set for the month. I'm really curious. I got some chickens in the freezer that are huge, but I'm I'm almost wondering if my annery can take it. Chickens scare me because I had an incident with a female slayer that I had before. She was a big girl. She was like 13 feet, and um, I fed her a, 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 a larger, extra large chicken from Rodent Pro. I don't remember. I think it was like a four-pound chicken. Mm -hmm. And I had fed her a four pound and a five pound rabbit, right? So I was like, ah, oh, four pound chicken. Well, the 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 cavity, the chest cavity, their breasts, like it's so much wider. Um, she ended up for thirteen hours trying to swallow that animal. And I eventually gave think, up. I think I remember this happening. Yeah, I, I think you. Were, yeah, I okay. was terrified. I was yeah. there watching her. I did not sleep at all that night. Yep. Um. It was miserable, and so I, <laughs> okay. I'm scared. I'm scared to go big on the chickens. I'll give. I'll, I'll give it to my mainland buddy. I'll, I'll go. I'll go big on a rabbit. I'll go big on a pig anytime. I'll um, give it. To, I have a couple mainland buddies here, so yeah. How how big <laughs> is it? Calling them, I, it's it's big. It's yeah. Don't do it. Um, <laughs> don't do it, um, man. I have. <laughs> <laughs> I have some post-traumatic stress symptoms after that shit. I'll never feed a big-ass chicken again. Well, and I, I haven't fed any type of bird quite yet. I'm going I'm gonna be offering to one of my stubborn uh, animals here soon. Um, but my buddy who was talking to me about it, he's like, careful, though. Like, as soon as you start offering birds, they just are like, crackheads for those things they do love them um yeah all, all of my snakes love and as a matter of fact shout out to cold-blooded cafe who's not a sponsor yet but we're gonna work on that des, Ooh, des. Um, calling them out i am but um they had such a great deal and um i bought mostly it's funny because i bought a shit ton i don't even know the number i bought a shit ton of chicks from them and like literally the next day they made a post saying like we're sold out of chicks sorry and i was like whoops um but yeah i i prefer chicks actually for hatchlings and up to a year old just yeah it seems to get them excited a little bit more they from what love I've heard. that shit and they get nice and big but they also break it down really quickly it's weird um but yeah we're we're getting away from the topic, but I don't give a shit because it's our podcast. 
anything more on temperature cycling that you want to hit on? Um, yeah, like if you want to give your female a break, here's another thing. Like, Just keep temperatures consistent. Keep temperatures consistent. But here's the thing. Let's say you can't control that the way you want to and your female decides to cycle. Yeah, you, you don't have, have to put a male. That's that's the easiest. I mean, you can't always stop partho, but I mean, trust certain, me, I'm aware. Yeah, certainly you can. You can at least manage not putting a male in. Right. That, like, that's just the easiest way to stopping. To and, it, and if she decides to like put a power mood and be like, I don't need no man, like then let her go for it. Like whatever. That's not on you. But like, just don't put a male in. Like you don't have to. If she's off of food, don't don't put a. Yeah. You don't, you don't have to. And I think that's the easiest way to be like, I'm going to give you the year off. And then if she decides to do it herself, like good for her, like my body, my choice. And she's going to do what she's going to do. Man, you're distracted. I thought that that was going to get a laugh out of you. That was a great I'm distracted joke. because you turned to Prince vibes and I'm trying to, to match with my lights right now. I just, I was trying to find a color that didn't flicker and this is working. So For no right more now. no more orange. I'm going Prince. For right now. Um but I man, that was a great like that was a that was I'm a sorry. good comedy punchline, but that's okay. I, I'm sorry. For those of you who haven't been watching for a while, Nathan and I are a fan of comedy, so we try to we're terrible, but well, I'm terrible. Nathan's pretty good, but about being funny. <laughs> Example A. <laughs> <laughs> the moment presents itself, but I, I guess I missed your moment, and I'm, I, I deeply apologize. That's okay. That's a good moment. I was I was referencing snakes and females deciding to breathe themselves without a man, and I'll say, well, my, I got my body, that my choice. Yeah. Oh yeah, okay. Um, I I like the first part. I like the first part better. The, yeah, the I get setup. It. I get I don't, it. I don't need no man. <laughs> But do you, I mean, uh, we, we could, I mean, there's not too much more to talk about this other than like, I think you should give your, oh, you know, I think it's rude of you that you didn't ask me what my ratio would be of like years <laughs> on years off. I, I just assume you think I'm so brilliant and you go with my answer. You, <laughs> what did you, what did you even say? Two to I, one? I said, uh, yeah, I would like to do like ideal world two to one. Like if two I'm years on. Yeah, if if I'm wanting to breed that female a lot, like, yeah, two on, one off. Yeah. What is what would be your ratio, Lucas? I'm so happy that you asked. My ratio would probably be one and one. I mean, that's what I've been at right now, and it's not been bad. One and one. You could do two and one, and I think the best part, like the 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 most important part. Does this have battery? No, seeing if my other light had battery, but um, I think that the most important part is you have to know your snakes and you have to, there you go. Yours looks like a sex dungeon. <laughs> it's a little intense. Um, but I think the most important part is knowing the body composition of your animal, what looks like, you know, your, your, some animals can recoup and recover from a breeding year. Very easy. Um, for example, my Solaire laid, you know, less than two months ago and she looks incredible right now. And she's only had three meals. Um, 
I probably still won't breed her next year, but um, she she looks great. And so I think it's important that you just know, like it it's part about growing with your animal, right? Like if you raise a hatchling to be, you know, four or five year old female, she breeds for the first time and you see her get big and then you see her look like she's like on the verge of death after laying because that's how a lot of females can look is a really skinny. Their skin is flappy. If they bounce back really quick and you want to do a second year with them, great. Um, but then give them that third year off. Um, and if they pull partho and they do it on, you know, that's again out of your control, but so two to one, but ideally one, 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 I think would be good. And then, um, I'm at the stage of my breeding with my retics where when I start to do just the locality stuff, I'm only going to breed like two localities a year. And since I have eight localities in my garage, I might have females that have like three years off. Yeah. And I, I don't think that's a, I mean, you'll see, I guess, if you decide to breed them down the line, how big of an issue that is, right. if it's an issue at all. Right. Um, and I think that this year was a good trial. Like I finally was successful on getting a very stubborn female to not cycle. So um, I'll just really, really reduce the calories for two, three months during the time that they normally cycle. Yeah. Which for me is in between like, the heavy feeding time is like summertime leading up into fall. So during summer, just like don't feed them a lot. So June, July, August, and into September, small meals, very infrequent. Now, now something that doesn't get talked about quite as often in, you know, retic breeding uh, is light cycling. Do you do any changes in your light cycling when you're breeding? No, like I... Before we started recording this episode, I went to go and like thaw out food and I opened up my garage door at 10 p.m. And I was like, fuck, I didn't turn the garage light off. <laughs> so I for, I forget all the damn time. Um, and, and as far as lights in their enclosures, um, I use my I got bright 4K LEDs in my garage um, that lights up the garage really well. And so when I those lights are on and then the lights are off, it's pitch black in my garage because I don't have thermostats anywhere, mm -hmm. right? So I don't have any blue lights. I don't have any LED lights. It's literally pitch black. So they, they know the difference just with that. Um, now, I do for my green tree pythons, I do have... Uh, and then also with some of my retics, I'm running the Viptech products and, and you know, that stuff. And so they do get some cycle, but um, I don't I don't light cycle. I know with green tree pythons, it's pretty big. A lot of people do light cycle, but... I don't think I'll ever go for me. It's going to, it'll be food and temperature cycling. Yeah. That, I mean, for, for me. And then I don't have experience on light cycling. I am too ignorant to talk about that. And then just while I was looking up stuff to talk about during this episode, uh, something that came up, I think it's more myth than anything, but minimizing handling during the breeding season. I actually do. And I know that you don't. Uh, I mean, I don't. I During the breeding season, I'm really doing maintenance handling with almost all my animals besides the grow up stuff. Well, every yeah, year. I mean, every, yeah, I mean, so if I have a female cycling and she's looking bigger, 
I try to take her out much less frequently and I'm still nervous about like just what might happen. So like if I have to take them out to clean, I try to put a, I'll stack tubs or if they're on the lower levels, I'll put the tub right in front and I really try to entice them to go in the tub themselves. Um, but then again, I have larger retics than you do. Um, so, you know, dragging out a 12 foot retic from its enclosure when it's, it's, gravid or building follicles there's a lot of risk in my opinion involved with well i'm talking about keeping an animal from breeding i'm not talking about an animal that's gravid oh no 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 no, no. yeah i mean not gravid or not not building follicles either no i'm not limiting handling at all i mean i'm, I'm just gonna go about my normal activity yeah but i just came across i i think it's more myth than anything but uh limiting handling to you know, potentially stop the animal from trying to cycle on its own. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, triggering breeding behaviors because of handling. Yeah, because they totally want to breed with us. Well, actually, my wild-caught male Kalatoa just spurred my arm a month ago. (laughs) It's a theory. I mean, the males definitely, I mean, from every experience I've heard from retic breeders are able to differentiate a male keeper from a female keeper during breeding seasons so i guess my male wild caught bisexual <laughs> bro he came at me he well, was well i arching. mean we we know we know alessa's story so well that that's true and i i will say that i've seen with my own eyes retics act differently with males and females with a male retic involved but um yeah my male it was the first time it's ever happened to me glenn send me that wild caught male because he had to move to florida oh it's because it came from glenn yeah, there you go. Um, but no, I took him out. And when I was trying to take him out, he was arching. So I was like, okay, now I just, I got to be careful. Oh, it was just your garage. Right. So I took him out, right? And I put him in the tub. But then when I got him out of the tub, he didn't go back in his cage, in his enclosure, not cage. Um, Jordan, Jordan Hart. <laughs> Jordan would be pissed right now. Um, That's why I'm laughing. Right. But um, so he wouldn't go back in and so i was like okay let me like i don't want to piss him off because he's obviously in breeding mode and he's a wild caught animal and i haven't had him for too long so i'm kind of just moving with him around and everything and all of a sudden i feel a tickle on my arm like right here on my forearm i can still feel it if i think about it right here on my <laughs> forearm and i look and he's spurring me and i was like you freaking pervert um so that's when he i started probably trying to- just smelled one of the ladies in the garage that it's it's actually the two females below him are cycling, so. Oh, yeah. So it's just always on his brain. Yeah. Didn't matter what was what he was wrapped around. He was probably going to spur it. No, but it was weird, man, because he was doing that, and he was moving his tail in a coil up and down my forearm, and it was... I, oh, that was sexually assaulted, you, dude. <laughs> you feel it a lot with boas. So I, I when I had my boa, you used to feel his spurs all the time. <laughs> They weren't tickling me like I I know <laughs> retics will do, so I'm sure that was a that was an experience to be had. It pinched. <laughs> now I know why my females like you know they they, they whip up and they they, they, like, they buck males. Like I I now know why because it pinches. Just get it's... where you need to go and stop. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> All right. So yeah, that was that was just kind of a fun thing that I came across. I I'm not too sure if there's much merit to that uh, you know that that one person who comments the long comments maybe they have something on that for us right right that'd be cool 
Um, all right. I think we've about egged this out as much as we can. I don't even know if that's a real saying. Egg this out. But we we've dra- we've dragged this as far as we can. Uh, I I do think like it it's cool that we got to put out some content that I wasn't able to find on YouTube and just some stuff I think is important. So. Right. No, I agree. Um. All right, guys. Again, if you guys aren't subscribed and you get listened- on the Patreon first of all, our Discord is fun. Right. Yeah. Actually had a blast over the last couple of days. Um and everyone of, comparing their turkeys. I thought that was fun. Right. And and what's also crazy about our Patreon too is if you um if you keep a lot of species, um it's dangerous because we have a lot of people who keep other species out there posting their productions and um I, I somehow now like corn snakes. So thanks, Discard. I so. bro, I got to before we go. I got to experience bromeliad boas, right. really rare boas. They're super tiny and the most like spazzy creatures ever. When they are like a little threatened, they'll stiffen up like a stick and kind of like throw themselves around. But like super not inclined to bite. Really black and silver. Really cool animals, and they kind of look. They have like very like mini anaconda heads okay That's... yeah so if you want to see pictures of those go join the the, the discord through the patreon and they you can see what i'm talking about Stiffen up like a stick yeah it's just one of the weirdest animals but really rare to see in <laughs> captivity right now is, it, so. is that another ad for hymns.com <laughs> we're not sponsored by blue chew yet <laughs> We're calling you out, Blue Chew. (laughs) We'll see you next week. See you, everyone.